Welcome to Bible Center Church, and thank you for joining us for this week's podcast. We pray the Lord speaks to you as you hear His Word today. Well, it's good to be with all of you. Uh, I am Pastor Mike, and we had not had the chance to meet yet. Before we jump into our new summer series, I want to make sure that you know everything is happening here at Bible Center over the summer. If you go to our website or to our app, you're going to see Summer at Bible Center. If you click on there, you're going to see stuff for children, for kids, for students, and for adults. Uh, There's pictures of all the things happening around our campus and our facility. We've got parks now. We've got bike parks. We have some new fields. We have a fire pit. Uh, We've got picnic tables. So we really want you to come and use our campus. It's our way of showing the love of Jesus to our community, and we don't want you to miss out this summer. So check that out on our website because we care about each of you. So as I mentioned, we're starting our new summer series, and the name of our series is called Reset, and it's based around a book by a guy named David Murray, And I would encourage you to pick this book up on Amazon or wherever you like to purchase your books and read through it as we work through it through the summer. When it comes to summer series here at Bible Center, our desire and our tendency is to focus on slowing down a little bit, thinking about renewal and refreshing and centering ourselves again around the gospel and God's incredible grace. The big question today that we're going to be working through is how do we remain grace-paced in a burnout culture. How do we remain grace-paced in a burnout culture? You may ask, is this a relevant question? Are we struggling with this? Do we deal with this? Our high school pastor, Ryan Bandy, gave some cards out to our high school kids, and he asked them to write down what they've been most struggling with. 19 of 25 of those cards, the children said, anxiety and depression high school kids. So you better believe we're struggling with burning out. We're struggling with dealing with the hardships and the difficulties of life and the stress and the anxiety of what's happening around us in our culture. And we need to reset ourselves around something different. So if I were to take this question and maybe reword it a little bit, you could ask it this way in a deeper way. If we are saved by grace, are we willing to also live in that grace day by day? So our hope this summer is to look truly at applying the grace of the gospel into the internal world of our lives. How do we work through grace with our motivations and our tendencies and our desires? Often we can know the gospel, know that we're saved, but not live it out on a day-to-day basis. We don't connect it to our relationships, to our motivations and what's going on inside of us. It just kind of lives outside of us and we just move through our lives. And when we do that, that means we're drawing our strength from something other than God's grace. And when we do that, we slowly burn out. We derive and receive strength from the grace of God. And when that's not the case, we burn out. Now, this struggle didn't just start in the 20th century. It's not just an American problem. It's always been a struggle to find other sources of strength outside of the gospel and outside of Jesus. So Paul was talking to a young guy named Timothy in the book of 2 Timothy. In 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he says to Timothy, You, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. We're going to pick this verse apart a little bit. You, therefore, 
or in light of everything I've just said, I need you to hear this, Timothy. Paul has just told Timothy, Timothy, you're going to need to step into suffering. Timothy, you can no longer be ashamed of the gospel or of me. Timothy, you can no longer be timid. You need to step up and show power and self-control in the power of the Holy Spirit. He tells Timothy a little bit later in the book, there are people who are opposing both you and the gospel, and you're going to have to stand up against them. So, therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You also have a therefore in your life. You have circumstances surrounding you and your relationships, the hardships, the stressors, the things that cause you anxiety, the things that cause you to lose a little bit of sleep at night or to lose a whole bunch of sleep at night. That's your therefore. So whatever is happening in your life, the call to you is the same as the call to Timothy. Be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So when he says, be strong in the grace, he has to say that because there's a tendency within Timothy within me, and with each one of you to find strength in things other than the gospel. We try to find it in our bank accounts, our social status, our family, our relationships. Um, We find it in our careers. We just find it in so many different things other than the grace of Christ. But the reality is, is that these are not reliable, secure places to find strength. We can look strong on the outside, and actually be burning out on the inside. Some examples. For example, a pastor could be pastoring for God's glory, or a pastor could be pastoring just to promote their own ego and promote themselves. So outwardly, the two might look the same, but inwardly, one is like striving in the grace of Christ, while the other is burning out from the fact that they're drawing strength from self-promotion. You might have a parent who is parenting because they love their child and they're focused on growing their child in the grace and the love of Jesus. And then you have another parent who outwardly looks just the same in their parenting, but they're parenting to raise their child to make them look good. So outwardly, they might look very similar, similar, but inwardly, they're experiencing life in two completely different ways. And so are their children. In Philippians chapter 1, Paul is talking about the fact that he's in chains, he's imprisoned, and he references the fact that there are people sharing the gospel out of selfish ambition. There's also those, he says, brothers and sisters who are now standing up and sharing with confidence because Paul's in prison, but there's also those who are sharing out of selfish ambition. So even when it comes to evangelists and sharing the gospel, there are those that do it out of the strength of the grace found in Jesus and those that do it out of selfish means. And outwardly, they might look the same, but inwardly, it's two completely different experiences. One is growing and changing and flying high, and the other is slowly going down burning out. I want to make sure you catch the last couple words of this verse. Be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. This grace isn't random. It doesn't come from anywhere other than Christ Jesus. It's only found in him. He tells him this because there's a tendency for us to move towards other things, to try to squeeze grace out of things that aren't Jesus. I received this handwritten letter about a month ago. There are three pages in here, handwritten, basically requesting, mentioning her desire for me to learn their way of reading scripture, and then gave me some things to look over. 
So this looks really good. Someone hand-wrote the letter, hand-wrote three pages encouraging me to read the Bible and see things in their way. And then as I looked at the literature, I realized that this is someone who goes to a church that we wouldn't consider a church. They go to a place where Jesus isn't considered God. They go to a place that we would consider a false gospel. So they have tried to find grace in working hard to earn their grace rather than actually working hard and being strong in the grace is found in only Christ Jesus, who is the Lord God, Son of God, who took on flesh. So there are folks all over the place who are promoting things other than Jesus for your foundation, for your strength, and for your grace. It's happening all the time. We cannot find grace in our parents. We don't find it in our families. We don't find it in our jobs. It's not found in your skill mix. It's not found in your career. You can look all through your portfolio. Nowhere in there is there a line that says grace. You can't find it in your strengths or your abilities. It is in Jesus and Jesus alone. Often, we will go to Jesus to receive grace for salvation, but then we forget to live out of that same grace in our day-to-day life. We just forget. We think it's for a moment in time, but the grace you are given in Jesus is for you every moment of every day, always. So tonight in this sermon, as we work through some of the content in the book, as well as content from the Bible, there are five different angles where we're going to look at grace in different ways. Uh, You can imagine like picking up your kid's teddy bear. If you look at it this way, it looks one way. If you look straight down on it, it looks differently. Different angles on the same thing so that you really can wrap your head and my head, my heart and your heart around all the beauty of the grace that's found in Christ Jesus. We're going to do this while looking consistently at a word picture, an illustration. We're going to use an assembly line throughout the sermon. We're going to keep going back to the assembly line. What I like about this is everybody outwardly looks like they're doing the same thing. But when each person goes home, one person goes home and they had a great day. One person went home and they had a terrible day. One person's thinking about quitting. One person can't wait to go back tomorrow. So depending on what's going on in their internal world will determine their experience for that day because outwardly, they're all doing pretty much the same thing. So as we go through the different aspects of God's grace, I'm going to introduce you to different people on the assembly line. The first aspect of God's grace is the motivating power of grace. The motivating power of grace. So if we go to our assembly line, and we meet some of the people on our assembly line, we learn what's going on inside of them. The first person is Mr. Dollar. Mr. Dollar's on the assembly line, and what's going through his mind all day is, how can I make more money? How can I become more profitable by what I'm doing with my hands? That's the focus of Mr. Dollar. You're also going to find Mr. Ambitious. And Mr. Ambitious, as he's working and building and producing, he's thinking... How can I get a promotion? How can I take that next step up? He's very career-focused, always thinking about that next step. Mrs. Pleaser is also on the assembly line, and her thoughts are, how can I make my boss happy? How can I make my coworkers happy? How can I just make sure that everyone is okay with me? Mr. Selfish, he's thinking, how can I get personal satisfaction out of my job? How can I make sure that this is the best situation possible for me. And Mr. Selfish is thinking about that all the time. All of them outwardly are working hard. They're producing, but inwardly, these folks are struggling 
They're burning out. They feel exhausted. Mr. Grace, he's thinking this way. In view of God's amazing grace to me in Christ, how can I, here on this assembly line, serve others? How can I give them the grace that I have so wonderfully received in Jesus? And in the strength that he finds in the grace of Jesus, he can give away to others. He's not burning out. He's actually glowing and growing. So outwardly, they may all look identical, but inwardly, they're all experiencing completely different worlds. The first four are striving, but they're also stressed and anxious and fearful and exhausted. They're slowly burning out. Mr. Grace, he's energized and strengthened by gratitude. In his job, he actually is receiving satisfaction. He's not being drained, he's being energized. So just like this assembly line, you can line up a bunch of different Christians who are seeking really hard to live out moral lives. But many of them are doing it with the wrong motivations. So instead of increasing in joy as they seek to honor the Lord, they're actually exhausted. They're worn out. They're burning out. I've heard it said that if we talk too much about grace, then people will then take advantage of grace. Pastor, if we talk about grace all the time, people are going to start using it as a license to sin and do whatever they want. They're just going to say, I'm forgiven. I'll live however I please. But that's not how the Bible describes a right understanding of grace. If we go to Titus chapter 2, these are great verses to memorize and to know. It says this, For the grace of God has appeared that offers salvation to all people. It, that is the grace, it teaches us. So grace is a teacher here. We're the learner, it's the teacher. Grace teaches us to say no to ungodliness. So understanding and learning from grace doesn't mean it opens the door to all this immoral lifestyle choices. Rather, it teaches us to say no to ungodliness and worldly passions. And rather, it teaches us in the positive to live self-controlled, upright, and godly lives in this present age. If we truly understand grace, we don't abuse it, we draw strength from it. If we truly understand grace, we don't spend energy trying to earn it, we simply receive it and live out of it. As we understand the gospel, I think it even pulls this conversation about grace even higher. We begin to see the gospel not just as salvation received in a moment, but as salvation that affects our past a salvation that affects our present, and a salvation that affects our future. There is past grace that we all enjoy. We know that if we've placed our faith in Jesus as our Savior and Lord, that all of our past sins are forgiven, that the grace of Jesus extends to every sin we've ever done, even the one you did two minutes ago, is covered by his grace. But at the exact same time, we learn from the gospel that Jesus' presence and power is active in your life right now. You are right now experiencing and living in his incredible grace in the present tense. And by understanding that Jesus isn't going to give up on you, your salvation isn't just a yesterday and a today thing, but your salvation is also a tomorrow thing. And when you understand that, you begin to see future grace. Tomorrow will be another day filled with the presence and power of Jesus 
Tomorrow, his grace has already gone before you. As a paved road that you're just walking on, his grace is already ahead of you. You tomorrow, you a week from now, you a month from now, you a decade from now are already covered in God's future grace. So his grace secures you yesterday, today, tomorrow, and forever. And you can draw strength from that incredible grace. It's Jesus's grace that saves me, that transforms me, and it's in his grace that one day I and all who believe will be restored fully in the image and presence of Jesus. And because God's grace is past and is present and is future, we don't work for it. We simply live in and out of it. We are inspired by it. We look forward to it. It motivates, it encourages, it energizes, it fills, it even overwhelms the believer when they understand all that there is in the grace of Jesus. And when it fills us, it fills us with passion and persistence and fervor and joy. It is truly motivating grace. The second aspect of grace I'd like us to look at is the moderating power of grace. So we've looked at the motivating power. Here is the moderating power of grace. If we go back to our assembly line, I'm going to introduce you to Mr. Perfectionist. Mr. Perfectionist is thinking this way. My performance must be flawless. And whenever Mr. Perfectionist messes up, he berates himself. There is no voice in Mr. Perfectionist's world louder than his own internal critic. His own internal critic yells at him all the time, reminding him of his failure, reminding him of how he comes up short. And his response is frustration, anger, worn out, beat up internally and externally because no one is perfect. So everyone falls short. Do you know a Mr. or Mrs. Perfectionist? Do you have one living in your head or heart? This is something many of us struggle with. Now, Mr. Grace, Mr. Grace knows he's not perfect, but he accepts both his flaws in his work and his relationships. So instead of tormenting himself over his imperfections, he takes those imperfections to his perfect God, knowing that his perfect God extends grace even over his shortcomings. He knows he's fully accepted in Jesus, not because of him being perfect, but because Jesus is perfect and stood in his place. Verses that stick out to Mr. Grace are verses like this. Psalm 46.10, be still and know that I am God. He sees God looking at him and saying, my son, slow down, be still, sit down for a moment, put your head down and rest, and remember, know, have awareness of the fact that you are not God, I am God. And because you are not and I am, you can slow down. When you put your hands down, the world doesn't fall apart because the world is in my hands, not yours. So for him, the person of Jesus is more important than what he produces for Jesus. Did you catch that? This is an ongoing struggle for us. For him, for Mr. Grace, the person of Jesus is more important than what he produces for Jesus. Psalm 4.8, another verse that comes into his mind is this. In peace, peace, because he sees the world from grace, from the gospel perspective, in peace I will both lie down and sleep. 
For you alone, no one else, in Christ alone, you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So he sees the world through eyes of grace. He sees the world from a gospel, from a God-centered point of view, and realizes he can slow down, he can moderate himself. Because his world, this life, anything about him isn't based upon the work of his hands, but the work of his hands. So he can slow down. I want you to notice this balance that we just learned. So grace motivates and grace also moderates. So what grace is doing is it's giving us this energy and this gratitude to work really hard, but it also stops us from viewing work as our source of acceptance. So it both causes us to strive and it causes us to rest. It causes us to extend our hands to work and it causes us to extend our hands to receive the grace that God so quickly and freely gives. Motivating grace speeds us up. Moderating grace slows us down. And both are daily available to us in Jesus Christ. The third aspect is the multiplying power of grace. So let's go back to our assembly line, and let's assume that on our assembly line, they're making Bibles. And we meet Mr. Achiever. Mr. Achiever's thinking this way, my success is based upon my production. He views it as his responsibility to make sure he produces a certain number of Bibles every day. He has to hit his quota. If he doesn't hit his quota, he feels like it leaves someone in the world unreached because he didn't produce everything that needed to be produced. Mr. Grace views it differently. He also works the same number of hours as Mr. Achiever, but he takes time to pray over the Bibles. He knows that it's up to God where the Bible will go and whose hands it will land in. So he works hard, but he depends upon God and the grace of God to multiply his work. So regardless of whether he is behind his quota, hits his quota, or makes more Bibles than he needs to make, Mr. Grace can go home happy knowing that the labor the results of his work are not based upon him, but based upon the Lord. In 1 Corinthians 3.7, it talks exactly about this. Paul says, So then neither the one who plants, that is the one who's sharing the gospel, nor the one who waters, the one who's helping disciple people, is anything. But God who causes the growth. So it's not my hands or your hands that cause people to come to know Jesus. It's not my hands or your hands that ultimately cause people to grow in Jesus. We're called to share the gospel, yes. We're called to make disciples who make disciples. It's our mission here. We do it. But at the end of the day, it is Jesus himself. It is the Lord who causes the growth. We're called to be faithful, but in our faithfulness, we're drawing strength from the grace that is in Christ Jesus the one who's actually causing the growth. So we don't go home frustrated. We don't go home wondering if we failed. If we haven't achieved as much as we're supposed to achieve because we know the growth is dependent on God. And he's the one who multiplies the work of our hands. So both Mr. Achiever and Mr. Grace both work hard, both put in a full day. Yet one comes home frustrated. The other one comes home thankful, blessed, and lays his head on his pillow, and he sleeps in peace, trusting in the power of God, trusting in the grace of God to multiply his work, because only God 
can cause those things to grow. The fourth aspect of grace is the releasing power of grace. I'm going to introduce you to another person. We've got Ms. Controller. Everything depends on me. The thought here is that this person has to micromanage everything around them because things will fall apart if I'm not in control of it. The fear is that if I take my hand off, it's going to spin out of control. So she becomes infuriated when anything breaks down. When production isn't working, she falls apart inside. Now, she believes that Jesus saves, but she doesn't understand Jesus transforms. Ms. Controller thinks that she's responsible for her growth, that her ability to grow and be better and do better is based upon her. So she thinks the gospel is Jesus saves and Ms. Controller transforms, and it's not that at all. She's lost the opportunity to stand firm in the strength of grace because she's depending on herself and her own power. In Philippians 1.6, Paul reminds us that that's not how it works. He says, but I'm confident of this very thing, that he, Jesus, who began this good work in you, the gospel, will perfect it until the day of Christ Jesus. It doesn't say Jesus started this good work and then you have to fix it, finish it, and complete it on your own. That's not what he says. He says Jesus started it and it remains in his hands. He is the one who will take it through to completion. It's in his hands, not your hands, not my hands. So Mr. Grace, he realizes that God is in control, even to the nuts and the bolts and the details of his life. He can release control because he knows that God is the one who is in control. A malfunction, a setback, something falling apart doesn't end his internal world. It's not an opportunity for frustration. It's not an opportunity for anger or blowing up. It's an opportunity to trust the Lord and to pray and to see God's hand at work. Mr. Grace works diligently, carefully, faithfully, but he still sits humbly under the reality that his God is sovereign, relying upon the movement of God's hands. Mr. Grace hears the work of the gospel crying out, release, release. You can let go of it. You don't have to control it. It's not your hand that moves time. It's not your hand that moves space. It's not your hand that grows people. It's not your hand that's in control. So release, and he does. In my life, I would say this is something I, I struggle with a bit. Uh, if you know me, you know that I like to have some control over things. God has consistently impressed upon me through life experiences that I have no control over anything. Every time I think I know where I'm going next in life, he throws me a curveball. At an early age, I wanted to give my life to the Lord and to ministry. So as I was exiting college, I was planning on going into U.S. college ministry. And then God sent me to Mexico. Right after that, I decided I was going to work on college campuses in California. And I ended up on college campuses in Ohio. Then I was going to spend the rest of my life in the parachurch. And God said, guess what? You're going to seminary in Kentucky. I didn't want to go to Kentucky. I was in Kentucky. And then God said, you're going to plant and grow a church. And my thought was, is I would plant and grow a church and pastor that church for a long time. Well, I planted a church. I grew a church. And God said, I'm going to have you merge that church with another church. And they're going to lead those people. I did not expect that. I did not plan that. And then he said, 
after I had planned on living the rest of my life in Louisville, Kentucky, he said, actually, I'm going to send you to Charleston, West Virginia, and be a pastor at Bible Center Church. Each of these movements, I did not expect. They were out of my control. It's not what I planned. Every time I said, I'm doing this, God said, no, you're actually doing that. And he would direct me in another way. Here's what's consistent. Every time God takes control and redirects me, my life gets better. When I can let go and literally let him move me and direct me and control my heart and my movements and my family and my relationships and my ministries and my opportunities, I find some peace. I find joy. I find incredible opportunities in front of me to get to know him more and serve in new ways. So I have to continually give myself to the Lord. And I have to say over and over again, I'm yours. I'm yours. Wherever you want me, I will go. So I try to live my life trying not to accumulate a lot of things. I feel like I never know where I'm going next. But I always want to say, I am yours. So for you, some of you have a little Mr. or Ms. Controller living in your heart and your head. Let them die. Get rid of them. Don't listen to them. Because the longer you let them control you, you're missing out on this great adventure that God has for you, where he's directing you where he wants you to be. And I don't want you to miss out, just like I don't want to miss out. The fifth aspect is the receiving power of grace. Mr. Self-Sufficient, he says this, I can do this on my own. I don't need help. I don't need assistance. I don't need anyone's help. He really believes he doesn't need breaks. He relies on himself. Unknowingly, Mr. Self-Sufficient misses out on many of God's freely given gifts. Now, Mr. Grace views it differently. Mr. Grace, as he's working, as he's living, he extends his hands, and he receives the incredible good gifts of God found in his incredible grace. He recognizes that family and friends and sleep are gifts of renewal and refreshing. Sabbath and physical exercise energize Mr. Grace. Mr. Self-Sufficient experiences burnout, exhaustion, and sleeplessness. Mr. Grace seems to continue to have energy and joy even when hardships come. The grace-paced life leads to a lifetime of joyful service and productivity. All other paths that are not grounded in grace will lead to eventual exhaustion and burnout. It's like trying to squeeze juice out of a baseball. You can't do it. It has to be grace. Look at these two balloons. They're both yellow. They're the same size, same color. But watch what happens when they let go of them. One's filled with helium. One is not. So even though they look the same on the outside, they're completely different on the inside. And what's on the inside is the thing that changes everything. One is heading towards burnout. The other one is just breathing in God's grace and flying. God frequently talks about his good gifts. Hear this from Philippians 4.19. It says, And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches, that is the grace and the goodness of his glory in Christ. He's there to meet all of your needs. You can let go and you can enjoy from the Lord. 2 Corinthians 9.8 is similar. It says, And God is able to bless you abundantly. Why? 
so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. He has good works planned for you, and he gives you all the resources you need to live in such a way as to accomplish and do those good works. So you stick your hands out, and you receive this incredible grace. It doesn't depend on you. It's given to you by him. So as we've gone through this assembly line, I am pretty sure there's someone that you recognize. There's someone you can relate to. Let's just remember the people we've met along the way. Mr. Dollar, who finds security in his money. He finds peace in what he makes. Mr. Ambitious, his value is based upon his position, his status where he works. Mrs. Pleaser, I want other people to like me. As long as people like me, I'm okay. Mr. Selfish, my personal satisfaction is of my highest importance. You might see yourself in some of those. The next couple that we met were Mr. Perfectionist. My performance must be flawless. Mr. Achiever, my success is based upon my production, the work of my hands. Ms. Controller, anything and everything depends on me. So I've got to micromanage. I've got to be in control. Mr. Self-Sufficient, I've got this. I can do this on my own. I don't need you. Each one of these ways of thinking lead us to burnout. They lead us to stress and anxiety, and they take our eyes off the gospel and take our strength away from grace. So let's be reminded by his words to Timothy. Paul says, you therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. You'll never find it anywhere else. Where are you finding your strength? Is it in him? Is it in grace? Look one more time at these five aspects of grace. Think through what your next step is. Where do you have to spend more time thinking and focusing this week? Is it motivating grace? His motivating grace calls us into action. We're empowered and strengthened by the grace of Jesus that he gives us in the past, present, and future. Moderating grace. It calls us to slow down knowing God is the one who's ultimately and completely in control. Multiplying grace. It reminds us that it's not the work of our hands that causes growth, but it's God who causes growth. Releasing grace. It allows us to be transformed by Jesus. We no longer try to transform ourselves or try to transform others. It's the work of God. It's the grace of God. He's the one that does it. And finally, receiving grace. Are you willing to receive good gifts from God? He's there to give them to you. He offers them to you every day in relationships, in his word, in sleep, in exercise. It is there for you. And if you open your hands to receive that grace, you will enjoy it. It will strengthen you, and you will see Jesus and experience him more clearly every single day. Let me pray for you. Let me pray that you will be strengthened by his grace. Jesus, all of us struggle to find grace uh, in places other than you. We tend to go to our careers, our relationships, and to ourselves and our own skills and abilities. Allow us to find our strength in you alone, Jesus. May we see your grace as your only source, as our only source of living life in a way that brings honor and glory to you. Grow us and change us in Christ's name. Amen. For more information, visit us at BibleCenterChurch.com or check us out on social media.